Hi, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Episode number one, numero uno. On today's episode, I talked to Leah Lawson. She is a young and bold activist pursuing plans to become a civil justice lawyer and recently named by Atlanta in-town publication as a 20 under 20 honoree. I was so taken by Leah's raw vulnerability and honesty. And what I realized is that her commitment to making a better world keeps this girl rising. And what I also realized is that high school is so complicated today. You're going to love my guest, Leah Lawson. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to the first, the inaugural edition of the Little Left of Center podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So we are here with Leah Lawson. Leah Lawson is a 16-year-old girl who uh, is incredibly accomplished at Grady High and involved in a whole ton of things <laughs> that we'll get into. And I, I was thinking more, I was thinking back on my high school experience that after school, I was sitting at home picking my nose, watching MTV <laughs> <laughs> and hoping a boy would call me. But that is nothing like your experience. And I'm I'm curious because you hear what happens in high schools today. And I wanted to get to know you because you think so differently. You're different than most of the other kids that I've seen in a high school. And that can be a great thing. I think it's a great thing, but it can also be hard to navigate sometimes because it's not like there's a roadmap. For sure. Before you, when you're you're kind of blazing trails at 16. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start off with how I'm going to start off all of my interviews and ask you, what kind of kid are you in high school? Oh, I don't know. I think that I'm very different than my peers. I'm on a different level in a way. Like I think a lot differently and a lot more maturity and more purpose than I, what I think my peers do. And not in like a superiority way at all, but just a different way of thinking. So I feel like that puts me on a different level as well. So it makes it kind of difficult for me to connect on typical high school conversations. So I'm not completely an outcast, but I'm not one of the popular kids either. But I'm kind of growing to be comfortable in that position where I am, where I can just do what I want to do and be happy with what I'm doing and be just content with who I am. How do you navigate that? I mean, it's really tough. It's there's a lot of pressure to be popular. I know that that the social media has a big play in it, and you work on AMP Global Youth. Mm-hmm. What does it stand for? It's AMP Global Youth. We just work a lot with um, connecting like peers into their political world and bridging a gap between, I guess, what you're allowed to do at 16, but what you can do. So giving youth the power of their voice is really important to us. So, for example, during election time, I did a whole campaign of getting the youth vote and getting youth to go out. If, you, if you're 16 like myself and you can't vote, but you have great opinions, getting like your parents and getting your parents' friends and your older friends and just anybody to go out and vote and how like important that is. 
And just we do a lot of things like that. We do campaigns of hope and campaigns of diversity, just things like that to just kind of get teens involved. So where they wouldn't otherwise be involved or where they feel like powerless in a way, like this is such a big problem. I can't combat that. I don't have a team around me. But you do. You have us. (laughs) How do you feel like communicating that it is an issue because usually when you're in school you're just focused on school and the social side of things how do you broaden the scope and bring the plane back of of who's interested in this like how do you find people who are interested how do you educate people enough that their world is a lot bigger than them than than themselves yeah it's it's definitely hard because a lot of the times For example, when I'm working with Arrow, which is um, Alliance to Reunite and Repair Our World, it's a racial healing organization. So when I'm working with them, that's a really hard topic. And it's a really painful topic for a lot of people. And even in teens where we're like, oh, it doesn't affect them because they didn't go through whatever, but it does. And it really just hurts. There's a lot of wounds there that are still pretty fresh. But so it's hard to get people involved. But once you kind of draw them in with little like minuscule things in a way where it's like oh yeah we have free t-shirts or like food and then you kind of get them in they become more aware of their surroundings but also in a way you need to find where it hits home for them for example with the parkland school shooting my whole school we did an extended walkout from the allowed walkout time of school because that was so we were all so affected by that when we heard bells or anything, we got we all flinched all of the time. We were like, is our school going to be next? And that's a painful feeling. And living with that hurts. Mm. And it's like, it's so scary to live with that. But so things like that open up our minds to see that this is a problem that we need to fix. And I think just teens in general now are just so much more involved in politics Um, they're more involved in in the political scope than they have been in a really, really long time. That's really important because when you see that, when things are directly affecting you, you're more likely to pay more attention. So when you bring situations that affect them or that they may not understand that are going on, but have a negative effect upon them and you bring that to light, they're more likely to care. But it's, again, it's very difficult. It's hard to get that initial pull to people. But There's just some people who are just naturally like me who are just, they care and they want to know more and they want to know why things are the way they are and they want to just help fix or solve or piece together whatever is (laughs) happening. Do you find yourself gravitating towards people that are like you, like from a social perspective, or do you find yourself gravitating to people that are so not like you and trying to find a way to connect? I think it's a little bit of both. It's really easy. Uh, For example, like when I moved here from California, it was really easy to just kind of gravitate toward people that I had known. Not that were necessarily like me, but people that I was surrounded by in California. And it was easy to gravitate toward that. But as I kind of moved through the channels, it became more of like, I want to find people who are interested in things that I'm interested in or people who have different opinions than I do. I want to learn the other side. And so it's kind of both. I have people that I have been friends with since middle school. I was just simply just drawn to them because of what I knew or what I was used to that have been my great friends. 
And then, and I've learned who they are as people now. And now, and then I also surround myself with people who are just really different from me. Like they have different political views than I do. They have different ways of looking at the world in general. And I, I value that because if you don't have, if you're only looking at one side, it's really pointless. You need to look at both sides of every story. Can you talk to everybody on the planet? (laughs) (laughs) It's so impressive. What is your mission? You have a lot of different interests. And I want to know what you're trying to solve. Like, what's what's on the the top priority for you to solve? Oh, a lot. Um, I face a lot of, like, social discriminations. And so, and a lot of, like, public policy plays into a lot of social injustices that we have where it's like it plays into sexism and racism and ageism and all of that and so overcoming those things has been such a battle um for me and so that's a lot of people's battles and I want to change the way that people look at other people which is hard to do because you can't change a person and it's not changing people directly it's like a teaching of knowledge so then that knowledge is passed down and people begin to shift how their thoughts were or like oh that doesn't really add up and have their own thoughts not I don't want people to think exactly how I think I want everybody to have their own thoughts but not just oh I see it on tv and he has this really big powerful voice and so I believe what he believes because he looks a type of way or I don't know an actor in a movie did this so I'm gonna do that getting people to pull their inner thoughts and it's gonna it's hard because there's a lot that goes into that because with that I feel like I could accomplish all of the other things everybody could be able to combat like this sexist culture that we live in or even this racist culture that's still going on that's been going on for like years and that's just centuries centuries and it's just it blows my mind that it's still a thing i think a lot of people don't realize that too which almost makes it worse i do feel like the me too campaign i don't think i bet there were some men that didn't realize that they were doing something wrong because it was the way it was always done Mm -hmm. until the cover came off And people in power said, wait, this isn't right, and I'm not standing for it anymore. And I often feel, I understand what you're saying, because I feel like people just read headlines now. And people are trying to automatically categorize and organize their information as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And almost, the stereotype is almost a help to them, so they can just process and move on. Mm -hmm. But for me, I feel like there's so much more context that gives you so much compassion because if it's only headlines, then you get put in a bubble. We're so isolated that way because everyone's wrong and I'm right and how dare they and all of that stuff. When if you understood the rest of the story, you probably had a good chance of acting that way or whatever it is. So, So I understand that. And I'm curious... I think I know the answer to this, but who or what shaped your mission? I I think my mom definitely shaped uh, me a lot, just in the way that she became so involved in our community. When we moved here, the old fourth ward was not what it is now and at all. 
I came from a school where in California where everyone was upper middle class, very posh, very upper echelon. And and I wasn't by any means, but it was just that culture that I was surrounded with just taught me that, oh, you can't do that. You can't you can't be put in this the projects or whatever and dirty streets is just bad and I don't know. It was it's complicated to explain just how much brainwashing was kind of mm. in that. And so when I moved here, I was like, we can't, we can't do this. And not in a, not in a racist way, it was in a classist way. Even though I was in the same boat as everyone on my block. What do you mean? Everyone, not everyone, but most of the families on my blocks were on food stamps. And so, and my family was on food stamps at the time too. And we were struggling. Like we had just, I just lost my grandmother. My grandfather was in the hospital. We just moved across the country. And we were, my mom had opened her company like about a year before this. And so everything, it was hard. Like, And we just had, we were worried about scraping up an extra couple hundred dollars to pay for rent. And it was, it was hard. I always didn't want to accept that in a way. Like I didn't want to accept our financial situations because of the people that I had grown up with where they they all knew that I was poorer than they were but I tried everything to blend with them I always wanted to blend I never wanted to stand out and I can probably say if I stayed in California today I would not be doing what I'm doing now so I really thank my mom for moving us here and thank her for showing me the other half of the world in my mind the way I thought was everything was so black and white there was no gray there was no middle you were this way or you were that way and that was just the culture that I was surrounded by. And I thank her for a lot of what I'm doing. And her seeing that there was more out there for us. And there was people who struggled the same way that we did. And that there was a come up that was going to happen. <laughs> Tell us about your mom. So, she, which part? <laughs> <laughs> your mom is pretty impressive to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> So she raised my 19-year-old brother and I all by herself. We moved from Denver to California and then California to Atlanta. And she started her own company after she had quit her corporate job. And her own company, she has now made it um, international. And so she's teaching internationally and she's training um, people with food allergies, teaching people how... (laughs) to cope with special dietary needs and she's also doing farm to fork programs for low-income students and all across Atlanta. She worked uh, with the city of Atlanta last year in a partnership and she started with Truly Living Well. She does a lot (laughs) and I don't know how she does it in all honesty like and she did that all while raising my brother and I. I feel like you might give her a run for her money (laughs) as you come up. And I'm a little blown. My mind is blown because Leah just won (laughs) or became an honoree of the Atlanta in town 20 under 20. And when I started reading your accolades, my jaw was on the floor and I even sent it to my sister and my friends. And I'm like, I can't believe this girl because I was such a loser <laughs> in high school. And I remember I remember when I was 12, I remember going to my mother and I was crying. And I said, Mom, I'm not good at anything. I can't find anything I'm good at. And I just, it, it really was overcome. 
And then to think, so I'm going to read these to you, not that you don't know. But on top of having a part-time job and being in full-time school and looking at getting a law degree (laughs) and trying to get into college with SATs and ACTs and all of that, you're an arrow teen advisor, like you mentioned before, to combat racism, exceptional kids athletics that specializes in helping disabled children, Urban City Fresh, which is a farm-to-fork program for low-income kids. You're the president and founder of American Sign Language Club and the AMP Global Youth, which helps the media to provide a voice to the youth. Mm -hmm. So for the love of God, how do you have time? (laughs) And with all of these awards, how, how have people reacted to you at school? Um... Well, I would say I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm really honestly exhausted all the time. But I feel like... You're they're driven really- by something, though. Yeah. And so that's what it makes worth it. And I think the kids at my school have been kind of shocked in a way. I'm definitely not the person who's, like, all loud and bright and shiny. I'm the person who, like, people know, but she just kind of stays in her corner. And she's just, she's just pretty quiet. And so I think with this, people are like whoa, you do a lot. In high school, it's easy, like, oh, you're so busy because you play sports and you're in a club. But I don't play sports. But because of that, they don't see me a lot. Like, I am a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff. And so I think with this, people started to recognize that just because you don't do one thing doesn't mean that you don't do a lot and you don't have a lot going on. It's definitely been kind of shocking and a little bit embarrassing for me because people are like, oh my God, congratulations. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> like, I, I'm just, I'm kind of timid that way where I don't, it's hard for me to kind of like relish in my accomplishments in a way, but I, I'm happy for what I do. But again, none, none of it is for the validation. It's all just for people <laughs> and making the world better in a way. If you could provide some insight into the landscape of you raising your hand and in some cases saying, yes, I think I can help with that, or yes, I can create that because it's not here today. What drives you to say yes? And there are bandwidth issues. I mean, certainly you have to study and I know you're really interested in fashion as well. Mm -hmm. There's the social side of things too. I'm wondering how is somebody who, who really does have a full plate how does somebody step out and say, I can make a difference instead of just being in your own world? It's hard. I think for me, it was the fact that I just saw so much that was wrong. And I'm a little bit of a control freak. So I was like, what can I do? I can't just sit here anymore and let bad things happen to good people. Or I can't just sit here and watch as horrible things go by and no one says anything. I can't do that. So what can I do? And so I prompted that question to myself, which just helped me in this kind of spiral of I can do this and I can do this and I can do this and reaching out to people that I knew were doing things. And I was like, let me help you. Let me bran- like help branch this out to teenagers. Let me let me help branch this out to the people in my community. And so we can build our communities together and then continue to grow. We can do this together. Let me help any way I can. I'll do it. Anything you want. I'll do the groundwork. I'll do whatever. And so it just started that way. And I think 
because people saw my passion and because people recognized that I had dealt with a lot of firsthand stuff that they were trying to combat, they were like, she has good insight. So I think then through that, I was able to cultivate a lot of like my passions and cultivate where I wanted to be and what I wanted to really do. It's hard unless to kind of step back from yourself. Teenagers are just naturally focused on themselves. That's just naturally who they are. And it's super easy to do that too when you're taking five AP classes and your parents are hassling you about getting into a good college and that's your life. You, your work is school and your future is college and you need to focus on that. And it's really easy to get lumped into that. And it's really easy to just hyper-focus. But when you step back outside of yourself and you realize who your neighbors are, who your classmates are, what's going on with them? And you just step out and you start talking to people and you start knowing them, not the superficial them, not the mask they put on for everybody, but when they take off the mask, who's really underneath all of that? You start to gain a purpose. You start to think, oh, it's not just me who has that. There's this person who deals with that too. And this person... And there's no one there to help them. What? What? I can help them. I've been there. I can. I can help with that. And so I think branching out is really important because when you branch out, you begin to develop empathy, and that empathy can grow and fester into purpose. And that's what happened for me. <laughs> you might have it in your DNA. <laughs> you, I think you come by it honestly. And and one thing I was thinking about is the social dynamic or the the amount of high school kids that struggle with anxiety and depression. There's a lot of pressure on high school, just like you said, getting in college and having a job and being involved in certain things and having the right pedigree and the right family and the right situation to be able to do that. What has been your experience with either the people you know or through your own lens? Because the, the anxiety and depression have reached an epidemic level from a high school perspective. And that's something that is important for you to navigate as you try and reach out. And also for your own emotions. I mean, yeah. you're 16 and there, there's a lot to deal with. Yeah. Anxiety and depression, it's a really hard subject for me. I've suffered from anxiety and depression for a long, long time. And there's hard battles. It's it's hard. And uh, last year, I lost my friend, one of my best friends, to suicide. Mm. And that was really difficult. And I just, I know so many people that just deal, they're just like, depression is normal now. Like, for example, when somebody asked me, they're like, what's your level of depression? And I'm like, it's about a three. And they're like, okay, well, what can we do to get that down? And I'm like, oh, no, that's just normal. That's just, that's my baseline. And I didn't really realize that that's not normal. <laughs> like, people don't just have that until recently, but it's hard. There's a lot of people who feel like they still can't come out about their anxiety and the depression, but it's so, there's so much of it and people still feel ashamed of all of that, and which only isolates them more and only makes the problems worse. I don't know if it's that students are putting more pressure on themselves or there's more pressure to get into college or 
I don't know what it is or if people are just meaner. <laughs> um, Because that does hurt a lot. And I think a lot of people focus on cyberbullying a lot. But I think also just the face to face is just because people have lost how to socially interact with people. And when you lose that, you lose like connections and you feel more lonely in a way. And everyone's trying to be above everybody else in high school. Whether you have a big group of friends or you're in the popular squad or not, you're all competing with each other. And that's all very known. Everyone knows that like, oh, you got a 92 on your math test? Well, I got a 96. All of that is very open. And so you just feel less likely to talk to people, to reach out or, oh, you're depressed? I'm not. (laughs) And not as harsh as that, but I feel like it's just the same. Anxiety and depression is really difficult and it's at an all-time high, which just makes it even, it's just sad. But people still feel like they can't talk about it. They can't talk to their parents. I know so many of my friends who they're like, yeah, I'm super suicidal. And I'm like, I've been there. I understand. And I've been through the worst of it. And I've been through the ringer and it's terrible and it sucks and everything is so dark and it hurts. And I'm like, have you talked to your parents? Have you considered like seeing a therapist? And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, why? They don't, they won't understand. They'll just put me on medication. And that leads to a whole hoist of other issues that I don't agree with as well. And of course, if you're on the right medication and you're doing all the proper steps, it works and it helps. But if you're only taking medication, but you're not talking about any of your problems or you're just closing back up, it doesn't help anything. You're just going to be in the same place, in the same boat, but with medication (laughs) that can sometimes be addictive (laughs) and that can sometimes have serious negative effects. I feel really close to this subject because I feel like the Parkland shooting and the shootings that you have all over stem from mental health that's not treated properly because people don't know what to do and people don't know how to reach out. And there's so much shame, but the key is vulnerability and being honest, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard to open up and it's hard. It's you're brave for sharing your story and being open to other people. Yeah. And that was, that was really hard for me too. Um, It's, it definitely took me about four years to kind of take this mask off that I had had. And I think that's also really important and really follows into I guess my mission and just taking the mask off and being genuine learning how to be genuine again it took me a long time and even now I don't have this kind of I'm happy all the time and and everything's great I don't have that mask anymore things still it's not easy at all you you can you begin to trust people and you're vulnerable with people and people abuse that So it's hard too, but I feel like if everyone starts to become more genuine and to accept themselves, then they can accept other people. And so it's all a process and it's all steps. It is hard. I think with with Instagram, I open up Instagram and I feel shitty about myself. You know, like it's, it's terrible and it's all manufactured, you know, and I know it's not real. And I'm like, well, 
they have a better body than me and they are richer than me and they have a better job than me and they look so much happier than me. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. let me get out of here. So I, you know, I've, I imagine if, if it's like that for me in my forties, I can't imagine what it must be like. It's somebody who's trying to find themselves mm-hmm. at 16 or 15 or in their high school and all the, the social pressures and, and dealing with the other social anxiety and all of that stuff. You almost like don't get to anymore. Like you need to at least pretend like you have it figured out on social media. You you almost don't get that kind of, oh yeah, they're just trying to figure it all out. You don't get that anymore. You're like, you you don't have a degree that you want to go into now? Oh, well, you should be worried. Or you don't know what you're interested in now? You've gone through so many different groups of people. Can you choose one? I don't know. <laughs> like, you don't get that anymore. You need to have it at least on paper all figured out, <laughs> which is hard. And I think that only increase, increases the anxiety levels. Do people put you down for doing what you do? Do you get picked on at all? It's a lot of indirectness. It's not direct in any way. I think in movies, it's all like, oh, yeah, you can tell they're being bullied because they're being directly picked on. But I think the indirect is kind of worse. (laughs) People think I'm bossy because I am a leader (laughs) and people don't like that. So it's hard living in like this kind of leadership track is it's a lonely one. Like you're up there and you're you're trying to trying to help people and people just look at that. and Oh, she's just trying to be better than me. She, she thinks she's better than me. No, it's the opposite. I don't. It's just that I'm trying to give you a platform where you can do this and you can be great yourself. And people misunderstand me. I'm not the cool kid at the table. Um, I think there was a point where I had a potential to be. Um, and I kind of walked away from that. I said, I don't like how I'm treated. <laughs> and it doesn't feel good. And I want to do what I want to do. And if you don't support me in that, I don't care. and it's one thing to say it and it's another thing to believe it because those things still hurt the high school crap still hurts even though I know there's so many bigger problems and I know that I'm doing my best my part to help in those bigger problems which makes me feel happy but then when I'm sitting at a table all by myself it, it still all hurts and that's hard it's been hard this year especially being comfortable with being alone. That's been a big challenge for me. And I wish it wasn't like that. I wish you didn't have to be a follower to have friends. What What is your North Star in those times? That it's all meaningless. Mm. All this high school crap is, it's all just high school crap. High school is a fishbowl. And once you're out of your fishbowl and you're doing your things and you're surrounded by people who carry the same passion as you and carry the same leadership that you do. And that's what's worth it to me. That's what makes me get through the day. What makes me get through the years or the months is I'm going to do something great. And I don't care if I'm rich. I don't care if I'm living in a dump. I don't care. I care that I make a difference in this world that I can leave an imprint on this world that's greater than any stupid high school crap that I had to go through and any barriers that I had to break. So girls like me in the future, 
I want to have to deal with the same barrier. They'll have to deal with different barriers, but they'll break those too. But they won't have to go jump through the same exact hurdles I did. That's what makes me get through the years and the months and the crap. Your mom did such a good job with you. I know I tell you every time I see you, I'm like, she is the goddess in my book because you are so impressive. You really are. I think from a compassion perspective, you really will do something great. I think you already are, but I think you feel it. You have to feel it somewhere in your bones that it's happening. Whatever is going on, it's big and it's happening and you're going to do it. And and I just think that's amazing. And to close out our time, I love talking to you. Uh, every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh my God, I was such a piece of shit in high school. <laughs> and I, I could never even imagine what it's like to have you <laughs> in, in high school, you know? But what are some ways that people can get involved with your mission? Oh gosh. Um, How can they make a difference? I say... Try a lot of different things. Branch out. Do something that you wouldn't think to do. Talk to a lot of different people and get to know the cultures that are in your community. And then once you find out what you're passionate about, follow that with everything you have. Do everything in your power to support your passion and to get other people to be involved in your passion. So you can make a difference in your community. Start in your everyday, whether it's work, whether it's school, your neighborhood, whatever. Find something there and just get involved. I think my sophomore year, I was in so many clubs, like just random clubs. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's different. Okay, I like that. I don't like that. And then it encouraged me to start my own club. It encouraged me to start two clubs. <laughs> and then just when you find a group of people who share your passion, you're more likely to keep going. But even if you're riding it alone, as long as you know that you're happy doing what you're doing, if it makes you happy, do it. <laughs> but I imagine what I'm hearing you say too is that even through all that high school crap, you're making a difference. So I imagine the difference that you're making has faces. And they have names, and they're people that you're impacting. And Brene Brown, do you know who Brene Brown is? She is iconic. She is iconic. She's unbelievable. And she is this very famous PhD in social work. Her whole life has been dedicated to shame, vulnerability, love, and belonging. And one of the lines that just stopped me dead in my tracks, and she said, it's hard to hate, close up, move in move closer. You know, the things you don't understand, the things that scare you, the things, the people around you that scare you, that you don't understand why they are that way. What if you moved up? What if you moved in and got closer? Yeah. It's trying to understand the people and having a genuine connection with people is what I think is really important. And above all, we're all humans, whether male, female, black, white, 1660 everyone has problems it may not be the same or it may not have as much significance to you but they're all problems understand them see where they're coming from go in deep go in head first <laughs> but i imagine that when you connect with somebody 
and truly understand where they're coming from and their context, that's probably what carries you through the tough times when you're dealing with the regular high school crap, mm-hmm. that you, you actually have a face of people that you're impacting. Yeah. That's an amazing feeling. Yeah. And it definitely helps. And with a lot of the things that I'm working with, they're so long term that it's like I'm starting now because I want to see a future when I'm in law school and I can see a little bit of change. I'm on the groundwork of a lot of stuff. So it makes it hard. But when I see somebody where it clicks, where they're like, that is really cool. Or I really believe in that. Like, I'm with you. I'm here. Like, let's let's do it. That's what makes it great. Because I know the more people that it clicks with, the more change is going to happen. It's a lot of taking joy in the small things. And leading is hard. And leading is lonely. But it doesn't have to be. You get people who share your passions. And you get people when it clicks. That's what makes you happy. And... That's how you can be happy. And when your world starts to change before your eyes in a positive way, (laughs) that's what makes you happy. And that's what makes everything worth it. That is awesome. And with that, I think that's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Leah Lawson. Thank you. (laughs) Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to my first episode of Little Left of Center. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe, rate, review, and pass it on to a friend or five. See you next week.